0: Chapter 48. This chapter is about warding off devotees calamities. Story of Shivade, Sapatneka. At the commencement of this chapter, someone asked Hemadban whether Sai Baba was a Guru or Sadguru. In order to answer the question, Hemadban describes the signs or marks of a Sadguru as follows. Signs of a Sadguru. He who teaches us Veda and Vedanta, or the six Shastras, or gives pleasing discourses regarding Brahma, he who gives mantras to the disciples and orders them to chant the same a certain number of times, but does not assure them any result in a definite time, he who by his lengthy gross knowledge explains beautifully the ultimate principle, but has himself got no experience or self-realization, is not a Sadhguru, but he who by his discourse creates in us a distaste for enjoyments of this world and the next, and gives us a taste of self-realization, who is well-versed in both the theoretical and practical knowledge of self-realization, deserves to be called a sadguru. How can he? Who is himself devoid of self-realization give it to the disciples. A Sadguru does not ever in his dream expect any service or profit from his disciples. On the contrary, he wishes to serve them. He does not think that he is great and the disciples small. Not only he loves him as his son but regards him as equal to himself or as Brahma. The main characteristics of a Sadguru is that he is the abode of peace. He is never restless nor ruffled. He has no pride of his learning. The poor and the rich, the small and the great are the same to him. Hemadban thinks that on account of the store or accumulation of merits in his past births, he has the good fortune of meeting and being blessed by such a Sadguru as Sai Baba. Even in full youth, he hoarded nothing. He had no family, no friend, no home, nor any support. Since he was 18, his control of mind was perfect and extraordinary. He lived fearlessly in secluded places and always abided in his self. On seeing the pure attachment of his devotees, he always acted in their interests and hence he was in a way dependent on them. What experience he gave to his devotees while he was living in flesh are felt even today after his Mahasamadhi by those who attach themselves to him. What the devotees have to do is this. They have to trim their heart lamp of faith and devotion and burn it Burn in it wicks of love. And when this is done, the flame of knowledge will be lit up and shine bright. Mere knowledge without love is dry. Nobody wants such knowledge. Without love, there is no contentment. So we should have unbroken and unbounded love. How can we praise love? Everything is insignificant before it without love, our reading, hearing and the study are of no avail. In the wake of love come devotion, dispassion, peace and liberation with all their treasures. We do not get love for anything unless we feel earnestly about it. So where there is real earning, God manifests himself. It includes love, and it is the means of liberation. Now let us revert to the main story of this chapter. A man should go to a true saint with a pure mind or even otherwise and hold his feet. Ultimately he is sure to be saved. This is illustrated by the following stories. Mr. Shivde Mr. Sapatnekar of Court was studying law. A co-student Mr. Shivade met him. Other fellow students also got together and compared notes of their study. It was found by the questions and answers among themselves that Mr. Shivade was the least prepared of all for the examination and therefore all the students derided him. But he said that though he was not prepared, he was sure to pass the examination as his Sai Baba was there to get him through it successfully. Mr. Sapatneka was surprised with this remark. He took Mr. Shivade aside and asked him who this Sai Baba is, whom he extolls so high. He replied, There lives in a masjid in Shirdi, a Fakir. He is a great Satpurish. There may be other saints, but this one is unique, unless there is a great store of merits on one's account, one can't see him. I fully believe in him and what he says will never be untrue. He has assured me that I will pass definitely next year and I am confident that I will get through the final examination by his grace." Mr. Sapatneka laughed at his friend's confidence and jeered at him and Baba. Later. When Shivade passed his exams successfully, it made Sapatnekar quite surprised. Sapatnekas Mr. Sapatnekar passed his examination, settled in Akalcoat and practiced as a pleader there. Ten years after this, that is in 1913, he lost his only son on account of a throat disease. This broke his heart. He sought relief by making a pilgrimage to Bandarpur, Gangapur and other holy places. He got no peace of mind. Then he read Vedanta which also did not help him. In the meanwhile he remembered Mr. Shivade's remarks and his faith in Baba and he thought that he too should go to Shiradi and see Baba. He went to Shiradi with his younger brother Pandit Rao and was much pleased to see Baba from a distance. When he went near and prostrated himself and placed a coconut before Baba with feeling of devotion, the latter at once cried out, Get away! Sapatnekar hung down his head, moved back and sat aside. He wanted to consult somebody who would advise him how to proceed. Somebody mentioned Bala Shimpi's name. Sapatnekar saw him and sought his help. They bought Baba's photo and came with them to the masjid. Bala Shimpi took a photo in his hand, gave it to Baba and asked him whose photo it was. Baba said that this photo was of the Yar, that is the lover of him, pointing to Sapatneka. Saying this, Baba laughed and all others joined. Bala asked Baba the significance of the laugh and beckoned Sapatneka to come forward and take darshan. When Sapatneka began to prostrate himself, Baba again cried, Get out! Sapatneka did not know what to do then. They both joined their hands and sat before Baba, praying. Baba finally ordered Sapatneka to clear out immediately. Both were sad and dejected. As Baba's order had to be obeyed, Sapatneka left Shirdi with a heavy heart praying that he should be allowed to take darshan next time. Mrs. Sapatneka One year elapsed. Still his mind was not at peace. He went to Gangapur where he felt more restless. Then he went to Madagone for rest and finally decided to go to Kashi. Two days before starting, His wife got a vision. In her dream, she was going with a pitcher to Lakat. There a fakir with a piece of cloth tied round his head, sitting at the foot of the neem tree, came closer to her and said, My dear lassie, why get exhausted for nothing? I get your pitcher filled with pure water. She was afraid of the fakir and hastened back with the empty pitcher. The fakir followed her. At this, she was woke up and opened her eyes. She told this vision to her husband. They thought that this was an auspicious sign and they both left for Shirdi. When they reached the masjid, Baba was absent. He had gone to Lendi. They waited till his return. When he returned, she was surprised to see that the fakir she saw in her vision exactly resembled Baba. She reverentially prostrated herself before Baba and sat down looking at him. On seeing her humility, Baba was much pleased and began to tell a story in his peculiar characteristic manner to a third party. He said, My arms, abdomen and waist have been paining for a long time. I took many medicines. The pains did not abate. I got sick of the medicines as they gave me no relief. But I am surprised to see now that all the pains have disappeared at once. Though no name was mentioned, it was the story of Mrs. Sapatneka herself. Her pains, as described by Baba, left her soon and she was happy. Then Mr. Sapatneka went ahead to take Darshan. He was again welcomed with the former get-out- This time he was more penitent and persevering. He said that Baba's displeasure was due to his past deeds and resolved to make amends for the same. He determined to see Baba alone and asked his pardon for his past actions. He placed his head on Baba's feet and Baba placed his hand on him and Sapatnekar sat stroking Baba's leg. Then a shepherdess came and sat massaging Baba's back. Baba, in his characteristic way, began to tell the story of a Baniyam. He related the various Vishuddhis of all his life, including the death of his only son. Sapatneka was surprised to see that the story which Baba related was his own and he wondered how Baba knew every detail of it. He came to understanding that he was omniscient and knew the hearts of all. When this thought crossed his mind, Baba still addressing the shepherdess and pointing to Sapatnekar said, This fellow blames me and charges me with the killing of his son. Do I kill people's children? Why does this fellow come to the masjid and cry? Now I will do this. I will again bring that very child back in his wife's womb. With these words, he placed his blessing hand on his head and comforted him, saying, These feet are old and holy. You are carefree now. Place entire faith in me and you will soon get your object. Sapatneko was much moved with emotion. He bathed at Baba's feet with his tears and then returned to his residence. Then he made preparations for worship and Nivedya and came with his wife to the masjid. He offered all this to Baba, and accepted Prasad from him. There was a crowd in the masjid, and Sapatneka went there and saluted Baba again and again. On seeing heads clashing against heads, Baba said to Sapatneka, Oh, why do you prostrate yourself now and then? One Namaskar offered with love and humility is enough. Then. Sapatneka witnessed that night the Chavadi procession described earlier. In that procession, Baba looked like veritable Panduran. At the parting next day, Sapatneka thought that he should first pay one rupee as Dakshina and if Baba asked again, instead of saying no, he should pay one more rupee, reserving with him sufficient amount as expenses for the journey. When he went to the masjid and offered one rupee, Baba asked for another as per his intention and when it was paid, Baba blessed him saying, Take the coconut, put it in your wife's oti and go away without the least anxiety. He did so and within a year, a son was born to him and with an infant of eight months, the couple came to Shiridi, placed him at Baba's feet and prayed thus, O Sainath. We do not know how to repay your obligations. Therefore, we prostrate ourselves before you. Bless us, poor helpless fellows. Henceforth, let your holy feet be our sole refuge. Many thoughts and ideas trouble us in waking and dream states. So turn away our minds from them to your bhajan and bless us. The son was named Murlida. Two others, Baskar and Dinkar, were born afterwards. Sapatnika couple thus realized that Baba's words were never untrue and unfulfilled. Bow to Shri Sai, peace be to all Chapter forty nine. This chapter is about stories of Hari Kanoba, Somadev Swami, Nana Sahib Chandorkar, Preliminary. When even the Vedas and the Puranas cannot sufficiently praise or describe Brahma or Sadguru, then how can we ignorant describe our Sadguru, Sri Sai Baba? We think that it is better for us to keep quiet in this matter. In reality, The observance of the vow of silence is the best way of praising the Sadhguru. But the divine qualities of Sai Baba make us forget our vow of silence and inspires us to open our mouth. Tasteful dishes lose their taste if there is no company of friends and relatives to partake the dishes. But when they join us, the dishes acquire additional flavor, the same is the case with the Sai Lilaamrith. The nectar in the form of Sai's leelas, this nectar we cannot partake alone. Friends and brothers have to join us. The more, the better. It is Sai Baba himself who inspires these stories and gets them written as he desires. Our duty is to surrender completely to him and meditate on him. Practicing penance is better than pilgrimage vow, sacrifice and charity. Worshipping Hari is better than penance and meditation on the Sadhguru is the best of all. We have, therefore, to chant Sai's name, think over his savings, sayings in our mind, meditate on his form, feel true love for him in our heart and do all our actions for his sake. There is no better means than this for snapping the bondage of the sansar, If we can do our duty on our part, as stated above, Sai is bound to help and liberate us. Now, we revert to the stories of this chapter. Hari Kanoba A gentleman of Mumbai named Hari Kanoba heard his friends and relatives saying Glidas of Baba. He did not believe in them as he had a doubting mind. He wanted to see Baba himself. So he came to Shiradi with some Mumbai friends. He wore a lace bordered turban on his head and a new pair of sandals on his feet. On seeing Baba from a distance, he thought of going to him and prostrating himself before him. He did not know what to do about his new sandals. After going to one corner in the open courtyard, He placed them there and went in the masjid and had Baba's darshan. He made a reverential bow to Baba, took Udi and Prasad from Baba and returned. When he reached the corner, he found to his utter dismay that his sandals had disappeared. He searched for them in vain and returned to his lodging very much dejected. He bathed, offered worship and Naivedya and sat down for meals. But all this while he was thinking about nothing but his sandals. After finishing his meals, he came out to wash his hands. When he saw a Maratha boy coming towards him, he held in his hand a stick, at the end of which was hanging a pair of new sandals. He said to the men who had come out to wash their hands that Baba sent him with this stick in hand and asked him to go on the streets crying Hari ka beta, jari ka beta and that if anybody claims that these sandals first assure yourself that his name is Hari and that he is the son of Ka that is Kanoba, and that he wears a lace bordered turban and then give them over to him. On hearing this Hari Kanoba was pleasantly surprised. He went ahead to the boy and claimed the sandals as his own. He said to the boy that his name was Hari and that he was the son of Ka, that's Kanoba, and showed him his lace-bordered turban. The boy was satisfied and returned the sandals to him. Hari Kanoba wondered in his mind that his lace-bordered turban was visible to all and Baba might have seen it. How could he know that his name was Hari and that he was the son of Kanoba, as this was his first trip to Shirati? He came there with the sole object of testing Baba and with no other motive. He came to know by this incident that Baba was a great Satpurish. He got what he wanted and returned home well pleased. Somadev Swami Now, hear the story of another man who came to try Baba. Baiji, brother of Kaka Sahib Dikshit, was staying at Nagpur. When he had gone to the Himalayas in 1906, he made an acquaintance with one Somadeva Swami of Haradwar at Uttarkashi down the Gangotri valley. Both took down each other's names in their diaries. Five years later, Somadeva Swami came to Nagpur and was Baiji's guest. There, he was pleased to hear the leelas of Baba and a strong desire arose in his mind to go to Shiradi and see him. He got a letter of introduction from Bayaji and left for Shiradi. After passing Manmad and Kopagan, he took a Tonga and rode to Shiradi. As he came near Shiradi, he saw two flags floating high over the masjid in Shiradi. Generally, we find different behavior, different mode of living, and different outward paraphernalia with the different saints. But these outward signs should never be our standards to judge the worth of a saint. But with Somadeva Swami, it was different. As soon as he saw the flags flying, he thought, why should a saint take a liking for the flags? Does this denote sainthood? It implies the saint's hankering after fame. Thinking thus, he wished to cancel his Shirdi trip and said to his fellow travelers that he would go back. They said to him, then why did you come so far? If your mind became restless by the mere sight of the flags, how much more agitated would you be on seeing the rath, palanquin, the horse, and all other paraphernalia in Shirdi? The Swami got more confounded and said, "Not sadhu with horses, palanquins, and tom-toms have I seen, and it is better for me to return than visit such a sadhu." After saying this, he started to return. The fellow travellers pressed him not to do so, but to proceed. They asked him to stop his inconsistent way of thinking and told him that the Sadhu, that is Baba did not care a bit for the flags and other paraphernalia, nor for the name. It was the people, his devotees who kept up all this paraphernalia out of love and devotion to him. Finally, he was persuaded to continue his journey, go to Shirdi and see Baba. When he went and saw Baba from courtyard, he melted inside. His eyes were full of tears. His throat was choked and all his evil and crooked thoughts vanished. He remembered his guru saying that, that is our abode and place of rest, where the mind is most pleased and settled. He wished to roll himself in the dust of Baba's feet. And when he approached Baba, the latter got wild and cried aloud. Let all our hamburg be with us. You go back to your home. Beware if you come back to this masjid again. Why take the dashan of one who flies a flag over his masjid? Is this a sign of sainthood? Remain here not a moment. The Swami was taken aback by surprise. He realized that Baba read his heart and spoke it out. How omniscient he was. He knew that he was least intelligent and that Baba was noble and pure. He saw Baba embracing somebody, touching someone with his hand, comforting others, staring kindly at some, laughing at others, giving Udi Prasad to some and thus pleasing and satisfying all. Why should he alone be dealt so harshly? After thinking seriously, he came to realize that Baba's conduct responded exactly to his inner thought and in that he should take a lesson from this and improve and that Baba's wrath was a blessing in disguise. It is needless to say that later on his faith in Baba was confirmed and he became a staunch devotee of Baba. Nana Sahib Chandorkar. Hemadban concludes this chapter with a story of Nana Sahib Chandurkar. Nana Sahib was one sitting in the masjid with Mahal Sapati and others. A Mohammedan gentleman from Bijapur came with his family to see Baba. On seeing wheel ladies with him, Nana Sahib wanted to go away but Baba prevented him from doing so. The ladies came and took the darshan of Baba. When one of the ladies removed her wheel for saluting Baba's feet, Nana Sahib who had a glance of her face was so much smitten with her beauty that he wished to see her face again. Knowing Nana's restlessness of mind, Baba spoke to him after the lady had left the place. Nana, why are you getting agitated in vain? Let the senses do their allotted work or duty. We should not meddle with their work. God had created this beautiful world and it is our duty to appreciate its beauty. The mind will get steady and calm slowly and gradually. When the front door was open, why go by the back one? When the heart is pure, there is no difficulty whatsoever. Why should one be afraid of anyone if there be no evil thought in us? The eyes may do their work. Why should you feel shy and torturing? Shama was there and he could not follow the meaning of what Baba said. So. He asked Nana about this on their way home. Nana told him that that his restlessness at the sight of the beautiful lady, how Baba knew it and advised him about it. Nana explained Baba's meaning as follows. That our mind is fickle by nature, it should not be allowed to get wild. The senses may get restless, the body however should be held in check and not allowed to be impatient. Senses run after objects of desire, but we should not follow them and crave for them. By slow and gradual practice, restlessness can be conquered. We should not be swayed by the senses, though they cannot be completely controlled. We should curb them, rightly and properly, according to the need of the occasion. Beauty is the subject of sight. We may fearlessly look at the beauty of objects there is no room for shyness or fear. Only, we should never entertain evil thoughts. Making the mind desireless, observe God's works of beauty. In this way, the senses will be easily and naturally controlled. And even in enjoying objects, you will be reminded of God. If the outer senses are not held in check and if the mind be allowed to run after objects and be attached to them, our cycle of births and deaths will not come to an end. With the discrimination as a charator, we will control the mind and shall not allow the senses to go astray. With such a charator, we reach the Vishnupada, the final abode, our real home, from where there is no return. Bow to Shri Sai, peace be to all.